Welcome to the Kuppinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kuppinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Graham Williamson. He's Director Asia Pacific of uh, Kuppinger Coal and Senior Analyst acting out of Brisbane. And today we will talk about consent. Hi, Graham. Hi, Matthias. How are you? I'm fine. Great to have you again in this podcast. It's been a while, uh, but great to have you back again. Last time we've been talking about IAM projects done right, and there you could share your experience with how you organize um, the, a project from the organizational structure point of view and also from, from an architecture point of view. Today we want to talk about a topic which is often ignored, neglected, or just not done. We want to talk about consent. Why do we have to talk about that? Yes, It, consent is a word that means different things to different people. It is, of course, important to identity and access management professionals because consent is part of the services that they must support with the identity in, uh, environment within their organization. Uh, but then you've got like the service providers who are collecting users' consent, and they've got a different view of, um, of, of what they have to do there. And then there's the lawyers, because the lawyers now are being involved very much in consent, managing user rights. And um, they, they, they then want to wrap everything up in, in very concise legalese. Um, so we've got different groups that are considering consent. And uh, because of that, I think it's something that we should just address as uh, from, from an identity professional's point of view to make sure that what we're doing as we're putting together an identity and access management environment accommodates what needs to be done when we're collecting and managing user consent. As I'm acting out of, of Germany, which is Europe, which is GDPR, which is requiring consent being handled in an adequate manner, and you are acting out of Asia Pacific, um, is there a common ground that we can look at when we are talking about consent? Is there a common denominator that we could consider as being given, knowing that we both are not lawyers? <laughs> uh, in Asia Pacific, we very much follow Uh, the GDPR lead. So Europe is considered a leader when it becomes when it comes to identity access management, and indeed the what's happening in the consent space. Um, I would I would go so far as to say that in Asia Pacific we've gone got a long way to go. But um, in terms of like just in Australia, for instance, there's a lot happening now in the uh, consumer data rights space which is uh, directly uh, related to consent. So it's something that's becoming much more important uh, globally. And so I think it's very uh, appropriate that we talk about consent and start to formulate in our minds how we need to proceed. But the answer to your question is very much, we do follow uh, the European model and what's happening in that space. Okay, so when we want to implement consent in a way that adheres to what you just mentioned to GDPR as the yeah as the guideline and and that is that is relevant for almost anybody then um, how do you implement that when it comes to providing adequate consent management solutions as part of an IAM solution how do you start 
Well, the first thing you do is you do not allow uh, the bad practice that we've seen in the past uh, to, to continue. So, for instance, many in many cases, a service provider simply provides an agree button that a user is expected to click on in order to get access to the service, whatever that might be. That is no longer satisfactory. The bad practice that we've been experiencing is a service provider not explaining fully the service that is being provided. Even if that service is is just provision of a document, okay, uh, we need to be much better at telling users what that document uh, contains. I don't know about you, but I have been um, disappointed many times when I download a document that I thought addressed a particular issue I was interested in, but it didn't. And because I didn't know that before I did it, I had provided my consent to the service provider that I really would have liked to have rescinded. What we need to do too is avoid uh, then going too much in the other direction, whereas a service provider, we ask the user to give too much information. We want them to register in order to get access to our service. Well, Again, if it's simply a matter of downloading a document, I personally will not register. If it asks me to set up an account in order to download a document, I'll click away. You know, we need to make sure that as we are providing a service, that the information that we're providing actually matches the level of service that we're providing. So if it's simply a document access, then we shouldn't be asking for any more than an email address. We need to stop these this, the bad practice that we've we've been involved in before. Maybe I can just um, suggest what we maybe uh, should be going to because when we look at how we deal with consumers, uh, there's a lot happening right now. Uh, some of the developments in that CIAM area in the consumer identity and access management space are quite exciting, and we 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 generally agreed that we do need to bring the customer along on a journey. We start with a basic relationship and then uh, over time, we, we will develop that into a loyal customer relationship. And our consent needs to follow a similar thing. As we start, we ask for basic information and it's not until the customer's happy with that and is willing to provide more information in terms of their consent that they're providing to us uh, that we should be looking at that strong relationship. So what the general approach now to consent is making sure that we take a customer on a journey and develop that consent relationship along with the a customer journey that we are taking our, our customers on. And if we think of this customer journey, I, I assume that the customer as the, the one that should be in control should also be able to manage a consent over time to revoke or to approve more um, access to uh, data. Uh, and that should be done as easily as possible. So consent management should be a real part of the overall management platform for the user themselves. Absolutely. And personally, I think this is an area where many companies are going to run into difficulty. Okay. Um, so if we look at consent, there's basically a consent event, if you like, uh, has three components. Uh, first, there's an act that the user will, will do. It might be just clicking on an agree button. It might be uh, setting up an account 
like an establishing a password to, so they can access the site again. Um, so there's an event. Uh, then there's the knowledge. And the, the knowledge is one area I alluded to earlier, where service providers typically don't do a very good job at helping the user understand explicitly what they're going to get. So if they're going to get information, what do they get in return? In many cases, a user is going in blind and just assuming they're going to get what they want rather than the consent event telling them explicitly what they'll get. So we need to be better at telling, giving them that knowledge. The third component of it is that it needs to be voluntary. The user needs to have the decision as to whether they want to provide this information and indeed how much information they're going to provide. Okay? If it's simply click an agree button and if you don't click it, you're not going to get the service, that's not very good consent. We need to do much better. In fact, I was pleasantly surprised in, in, in one service I went to get, they actually allowed you to, to provide your consent at three different levels, depending upon uh, what sort of service you wanted to get. You know, we have to be uh, more intelligent in the way that we provide that. So we're looking for what the act is, what the knowledge is, requirement is, and whether or not it's voluntary, whether the user has the capability of determining whether or not they want to give their consent for this particular service that they're accessing. So if we design the consent event uh, based on those three things, I think we'll do a better job of providing something that's going to give the user some certainty as to the information or, not, or, or service they're getting and also giving them control of the amount of, of consent that they actually provide. Right, and we've seen already, as you mentioned, some improvement when it comes to um, explaining what these terms and conditions actually mean. As you said earlier, that, that was just a large text provided by a lawyer that no usual person was capable of understanding. Now that has already changed. They really have to say where this data has to go or will go and whom they are sharing it with before you can um, approve that. So it's really getting better in making it consumer-friendly to understand what's going on. I think that is really a good uh, development going on. What other developments are there around when it comes to improving consent management? I, I, I've heard of user-managed access and I've talked to the people behind that. That is a, a great um, effort to improve consent management as well. So really to putting this uh, management into the hand of the user. Um, is that reflected also in consent management when it comes to CIAM? Uh, not very much yet, but it's, that's definitely a trend. So if we look at at a couple of trends that we need to keep in mind as we design our consent mechanisms. Um, one is the data rights legislation that is being put in place in many jurisdictions. So like uh, Australia, for instance, is putting in um, the, the, the consumer data rights legislation uh, that says explicitly what is allowed when a service provider is requesting information. Now, of course, it's tied into the privacy legislation, so you can't ask for more information than you need in order to provide the service you want. Um, you're providing, I mean, uh, but the user wants to get a service and they, the information that they should be providing um, is, is got to be commensurate with the service that's being provided. The, the 
the, the data rights legislation is including some interesting things. So, for instance, um, there's restrictions on how long that consent can stay active. So it comes back to your question about uh, the control that the user has. And the default setting is 12 months for, in, in, for Australian legislation. So you've got to have a mechanism, if you're collecting a user consent, to be able to refresh it or delete it in 12 months' time. Most organizations do not have that capability right now. So it's something that's got to be developed and designed into the consent mechanism. Um, users have the uh, given the right to rescind their consent. So it's similar to the European uh, right to be forgotten uh, legislation. So that needs to be built in. Now, you can't do that unless you have a proper consent management environment. Uh, you mentioned uh, the user managed access initiative of the Kantara initiative. Kantara has done some very good work in this space. And, it, you know, by, by using a consent receipt, which is uh, one of the techniques they suggest, uh, that gives you the capability of being able to rescind consent. You need to think through how you are going to be able to find the consent that was given uh, by a particular user so that you can delete it uh, should the user request that. So it's, it's important that uh, design mechanisms are put in, uh, that consent Consent revocation is something that must be accommodated in, in a consent mechanism. But that will really revolutionize many aspects of identity and access management for, for many organizations because, as you said, they are just not prepared for having these additional processes in place for, for thinning out data over time, for rechecking consent over time. That is really something that many organizations just don't have in their, in their process plan when it comes to defining and implementing an IAM solution. So that is really a challenge to keep up to date, to keep in business. It is. And, and uh, you bring up a good point, keep in business. Uh, if they do that, if they make this um, uh, consent mechanism, if they can put in a consent mechanism that will make keep the user um, comfortable with uh, their organization and the service um, products that they're providing, they are much more likely to build a loyal customer. And particularly with the as millennials become, uh, you know, the, the main purchasing group, they want a good experience. So if you don't provide them a good experience, you're going to lose out on, on product sales. So building that relationship, and a large part of it is built on the consent management that you provide, is going to be very important for companies in the future. We have been talking about uh, consumer identity and access management and, uh, of course, for the consumer and to protect the data of the consumer and to, to make sure that the rights of the data of a user are well maintained, um, that is an important factor. But when we talk about employee identity and access management, that is usually covered by a good purpose because, um, yeah, you have a contract uh, working for your, for your employer. But if I provide additional information, say my phone number, my home address, um, I don't know, additional information uh, to the identity and access management, does this apply there as well? Is this changing the traditional enterprise IAM as well? It impinges on it. A workforce IAM has typically relied on the uh, human resources uh, processes 
and the agreements that are put in place when either a staff member is, is engaged as an employee or whether um, a contractor is engaged. There's usually a contract put in place which controls a number of things, um, in, including uh, you know what the company is going to do with their information, how they are going to protect uh, the information that they maintain on their employee, how that uh, em- employee will protect the sensitive information of the corporation. There's usually some sort of uh, confidentiality agreement. So that's that's often handled in, in that realm. But increasingly, uh, uh, an employee is also a customer of an organization. And the bringing the CIAM and the IAM environment together is something that a lot of companies are doing now and are, are, are using a, a single infrastructure to accommodate that. So we do see some crossovers there. Uh, one of the issues that uh, is looming is the consent transaction, what a consent transaction might be. So we've talked about making sure that our collection of consent matches the service that we are requesting uh, and uh, making sure that the, the consent is managed so that we can locate that consent record and, in fact, see how it matches the relationship that's being built um, as time progresses. Um, the, the general consensus of um, the people that are monitoring consent, the trends in this space uh, are looking towards this consent transaction uh, that we're going to be uh, moving into. And a consent transaction is basically going to be a two-way thing. It's no longer a customer providing their information to a service provider. It's now a service provider saying to the customer, okay, uh, you are providing this information to us. This is enabling us as a service provider to uh, monetize uh, our our process. Uh, I guess the cleanest um, environment uh, to look at here is Facebook. So if we can use Facebook for a minute. They have an immense amount of information they use for their purposes, their business purposes. And we're all aware of Cambridge Analytica, which became a a sort of a litmus test of how this information is being used. And some people were aghast at how much information Facebook had and how much they were using it. They shouldn't have been surprised. It's what's it's Facebook's business, um, and all Facebook were doing were it was extending, you know, marketing uh, practice to the capability that they now have, and and and, and it was very impressive. Um, as we as that progresses, there's room now for the service providers such as Facebook to say, okay, Graham, uh, we have this information on you. We would like to include this in the service we're providing our customers, and for this service we're going to actually recompense you uh, for that information. So we, it's a, now becomes a two-way situation where we are participating in determining what we want our data to be used for. Uh, so it provides us the capability of saying, yeah, yeah, well, in exchange for what you're doing for me, I will allow you to use my information for what you're doing for your customers. 
and to be recompensed for it. I mean, we're seeing the beginnings of this in, in, in customer loyalty programs that a number of companies um, use. So, for instance, uh, my wife uh, is very pleased to provide information to the local grocery store uh, that then sends her coupons to use in the store in exchange for uh, the information that she's been providing. So it, it's an extension of that where we're going to be seeing uh, consent, the basis for a transaction that we agree to. Um, and again, as, we, as the CIM environments um, expand and develop, there's uh, this managing the consent and being able to take that information and manage the the environment around that is going to be a very important for companies. Right. So concept management is also a, a bit changing in, in the in the perception of those who are, who have to do it because it is no longer just a must because it is a must. We can't can't change that. We need to do it to 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 be compliant to regulations. But it's also an opportunity to to create new business models or to extend your business models when it's done right. Exactly. And as those companies that can catch, can glimpse the future uh, that are going to do very well. The basic, though, is that you're quite right. It's a matter of, of, of um, adhering to uh, juris jurisdictional regulations. So we are going to be forced as companies to do a basic level of consent, whether we like it or not, consent management, whether we like it or not. But um, in terms of the potential and opportunities that it uh, uh, brings to the to the foreground for us, um, that can be very significant. And the companies that can do that and can build that relationship with their customers, I believe are going to do very well. Well, that was really a Great closing remark for this episode of this podcast. That sums it up very good. So if we have to do it, why don't we do it properly? So I think that's a good uh, thought for for the end of this episode. Thank you very much, Graham, for, for joining me today for this episode on consent. Uh, any final closing words from your side? Recommendations? Where should we start? Well, as IAM professionals, we need to make sure that the groups within our organization that are using our identity information uh, do this properly. And so if we can lead the discussion in regard to consent development with our organizations, we will have done the companies we work for a great service. Great. Thank you very much. And as a final remark from my side, there will be um, a lot of information available, of course, on, on our website. It is already available. There will be a CIAM event, a virtual event from Kupinger Coal uh, later in July or August, I think. And that, that is, uh, will be um, free to join, free to register. Just join us there and join the discussion. And if you are interested in the process of joining IAM and CIAM that Graham mentioned, there is all about the identity fabric concept all on our website. Uh, please visit kupingercoal.com if you want to learn more about that. Thank you again, Graham, for joining me and um, looking forward to having another episode uh, together with you very soon.